This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, for any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio here, Matt Bove there. It's always game day in Buffalo. It's another podcast, and it's really one of the uh, last ones. We'll probably squeeze one more in before the regular season kicks off on Thursday, September 8th. It is crazy to think, Matt, by the time people Mm -hmm. listen to this, we're basically in like a 10-day window before the Bills' regular season starts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're recording this so everybody knows on Sunday evening. It's about 830 yep. and it's just really one more Sunday without NFL football. Now, obviously, the Bills are starting things on a Thursday, but once we get to this point next week, that's the last Sunday without football for a long, long time. And, you know, I know some people have mixed feelings about the Bills starting their season on a Thursday, but I think it makes that first weekend that much more enjoyable because you can watch the Bills on Thursday and then you can throw red zone on and you can watch all of the games on Sunday and you can be locked into your fantasy teams or if you're somebody who likes to throw some money on the games, like that's a cool dynamic that you don't normally get when the Bills are playing. So I know people... People cherish their one o'clock Sunday home Bills games, but if they're going to start and it's not in that setting, I think this is a pretty perfect scenario. How about this, Matt? The first two weeks, people can just sit back and watch Red Zone because the Bills play Monday night at home the following week against the Tennessee Titans. So literally the first two weeks of the season, it's a smorgasbord of NFL football for Bills fans when they can watch their team stand alone and they can watch the rest of the league on Sunday. They don't even play a Sunday one o'clock home game until October when the Steelers are here for week five, which is just, this isn't the bills that we've been accustomed to the last 20 years where there was 70 or excuse me, where there was 16 one o'clock Sunday afternoon games. It's amazing, right? I mean, this is where this team has evolved to for sure. And we know that um, there are very, very high expectations for the 2022 Buffalo Bills. Let me just tell you where you can find the podcast. If you're new to us, we appreciate you listening. I think we're getting a lot of new listeners as the season gets closer. We welcome you in. And of course, all of our Listeners, our traditional listeners, if we can call you traditional for the last few months since we started this, we appreciate you being on board. We hear from you a lot and we thank you. Download, subscribe, however you want to listen. We'd love, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to us. And you could do that through the Odyssey platform, through Apple, iTunes, through Spotify, wherever you pod. Subscribe, throw us a nice review, give us a five-star rating, kind of bumps us up so people know where we are and all the things that we can do, but also, you know, we appreciate that. And Matt, we're getting a lot of great new responses from people who are saying, hey, you know what? I just found this podcast because I think 
people are now actually in football season to listen to podcasts when maybe they were just kind of tuning it out a little bit and saying, I don't want my summer to end. Some people need a break. I get that. Some people need like two or three months to decompress and not think about the NFL. We do not have that luxury. I think we probably think about football or the NFL or the Bills every single day of the year. Just kind of comes with the territory. But I've definitely noticed a lot more responses, a lot more people coming up to us, a lot more people downloading episodes as we get closer and closer to the year. So that's, of course, exciting. And of course, we're going to be here for you all season long, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, we're going to start with the situation that unfolded really over the weekend, which started right around Thursday evening. Um, the LA Times article that came out uh, with the civil lawsuit naming Matt, Matt Ariza as one of the defendants, an allegation of gang rape of a 17-year-old girl, obviously very disturbing when you read the article. I don't think anybody can come away after reading the article, Matt, and not thinking that the allegations are, like I said, incredibly disturbing and pretty awful. Um, So from that point on, that's been the dominant story, really, for the team. They did have a game against the Carolina Panthers on Friday night. That wasn't the story. No one really even cared about the game. People talked about Matt Ariza. They talked about the situation. They talked about the legalities. They talked about what the Buffalo Bills should do. Lots of opinions on that. We didn't know what they would do. We ultimately learned, obviously, on Saturday night, the team did release him. I was down at One Bills Drive for the press conference for that. We heard from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Um, I've been asked, Matt, to describe the tone of the press conference as someone who was there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would say, first of all, I would think that the video speaks for itself if you watch the press conference, but I think that there's no one way to describe it. I would say it was somber, mad, angry, confused, everything. I think everything that you could think of that could go into a human emotion seemed to be at play in that press conference and Sean McDermott's press conference Friday after the game when he didn't even start with questions or anything about the football game and specifically said, I know there was a football game that was just played, but this is more important and we need to talk about it. Yeah. And you know, full disclosure for everybody who's listening to the listening to the podcast right now, bear with us because this is a really tough thing to talk about on so many different levels. And from the time that it all started on Thursday, you know, I immediately went into journalist reporter mode because that is what I do for a living. So you're not necessarily thinking about your opinions of everything. You're starting to try and find the facts. You're starting to try and find people on both sides. And you're having conversations with the attorney for Matt Ariza, for the attorney of the alleged victim. And you're trying to piece it all together. And I think that I was so consumed with covering the story of this that I never took a second to like step back and realize just kind of what was happening on social media that night. I'm not looking at the responses from bills fans. I'm not looking at the response from people around the NFL. I'm just kind of trying to like figure out what exactly is going on for our coverage strategy, for our website, for our newscast, for all of that stuff. And then when I finally got home that night, I opened social media and I I was, it's, I don't want to say I was shocked because it's kind of what I expected, but It was something that everybody was talking about. And then I think I realized the magnitude of it on a national scale the next day on Friday when all of the national outlets started reporting it. It was on all of the national newscasts, the radio programs. It was something that a lot of people were talking about. And going into that game, 
I had no idea what was going to happen. I, I was texting you. You were at the stadium. I did not go to Charlotte because it was my grandfather's 95th birthday this weekend. But I was texting you when I saw the picture of Ariza walking into the stadium. And, and quite frankly, I was just shocked. I was shocked that that picture was there, that I was seeing that. I just didn't anticipate it going that way. And I texted you and I was like, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? And you're like, I I haven't seen him on the field. So I think once he didn't play in that game, I think I ultimately got to the point where I knew what was going to happen. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And then obviously it kind of all came to fruition on Saturday evening. I'm glad you brought up the social media part. I'd kind of like to talk about this for a second because this hit Thursday, the article at right around before 6 p.m. I did a radio segment with Chopin the Bulldog on WGR at 6 o'clock from the hotel. Mm -hmm. They brought it up to me and said, this is breaking. And I said, yep, I'm reading it just like you guys. Mm -hmm. Then the Bills actually released their statement right after that. Well, I had dinner plans that night. And I, of course, kept the dinner plans, but obviously with this in mind and what's going on. And now my mind is thinking, what, you know, where does this go from here? How, how do I need to cover it and treat it and all those things? But one of the things that I intentionally did, Matt, was not go on social media. Yeah. I did not want to go on Twitter. I did not want to tweet anything myself. And the reason is because I understood at that time, just by going through this and seeing other things, it could be anything really politically or whatever, how that conversation can kind of unfold and take you away from what's really important, if that makes sense. And I didn't want to get caught up in that, first of all. And second of all, I just feel that it was important that people didn't need to hear from Sal Capaccio on Twitter. They needed to hear from the victim and the attorneys and the Buffalo Bills and Matt Ariza and all of those people involved. That's who people needed to hear from. Because if you hear from me, unfortunately, what happens in those situations, and this did happen with other people, the reaction becomes about my commentary mm-hmm. to the story, not the story. And I don't want that to happen. hundred percent. And, and so, so and real quick. And, but because I stayed off social media, I still got a lot of people who tweeted at me, well, of course, I'm not speaking up because I'm a shill for the organization and, you know, I'm, I'm a, um, the Bills flagship station beat reporter. Whatever, man. If, you, if that's what you think, then I can't stop you because you probably already think that. So go ahead. I'm just telling you that it's not my time to weigh in at that point. It's time to hear from the people we need to hear from at that point. And that's why I didn't want to do that. I agree. And I think that one of the hardest things, the si- the silence to me is something that I struggle with because yep. I know that I'm in the same boat. And yep. I know that sometimes people misconstrued that silence as me trying to have a narrative or me trying to protect something or protect an idea. And at its core, like my job is as a journalist covering the NFL, covering the Buffalo Bills. So at that point, my opinion completely goes out the window. When we're talking about football and we're talking about real life events like this, football takes a back burner. The entire point of this podcast is so we can share our opinions about the Buffalo Bills as a football team on the field, the players, the plays, all of that stuff. With this kind of stuff, specifically news events, especially these types of allegations, 
that's when my job is to sift through the facts that I can find and hear from both sides. And you know what? I've had a lot of people even reach out to me saying that they don't appreciate the both sides because they think one side is way off or the other side is way off. And they're like, why are you, why are your, why is your platform spewing that nonsense from that side? And it's like, listen, I have to share both just professionally and journalistically. I have to share both sides to this story. So that was something that I definitely struggled with on Thursday. And it's something that's, you know, been evident really for the last couple days, but obviously on Saturday, you know, we, I don't want to say that the organization kind of turned a page because this is going to be a story for a long time as it should be. And this is going to be something we talk about for a long time, but I think at least for some people, it was like, okay, well, who's going to punt for the bills now? And that's where we can ultimately take the conversation from, you know, every, all the serious stuff that went down to, you know, okay, now the Bills got to go find a new punter. And that's so much more lighthearted, of course. I'm really glad you shared that, Matt, because I I, I'm, I feel it and I understand it. And, you know, I'm glad and I hope people understand that position, even if you people out there still don't agree. And there's going to be a lot of people who don't and feel that it's got to be one way or the other and say these kinds of things or you speak up, you say things you shouldn't, you know, like not do anything, not say anything about it. But we have a job to cover the football team. And that entails a lot of different things in a lot of different ways and a lot of different levels. And one of those things for me is to do a talk show. I do a talk show, a live talk show every day from 10 to 12 with Joe DiBiase. And I had to go on the air the next day and I struggled mightily with kind of what to say, because we didn't know anything at that point. Like we just knew what the allegation was and we had a statement from the bills. And I have to say though, I think it wrote really well. Like I, I, I was, I was happy with how the show turned out, so to speak. Right. I mean, like, yeah. What, what the way Joe and I talked about it, we took calls, we gave fans a forum and they called us and I thought calls were great. I thought they were, um, mature, if you will. You know what I mean? If that's a, a word yeah. to use here, I thought people, people were measured and that's, I'm, I'm glad about that. And in you and I, we had to have a, a, a text back and forth on what to do here tonight when we're yeah. recording this. Of course. And I mean, we're, we're beyond the whole point of. You know, we know he's not on the team anymore, but this is something that I'm in the same boat with you. It's in how do you do it? What do you do? What's the right way? There's no one right way. No matter how you do it, I think someone's going to be upset at how you did it. And I'm not even blaming people for being upset about that, right? It's just, it's it's, it's really hard. And you, you just do with it the best you can in this position. I will say one last thing about this. And when I did finally go back on social media on like Friday night and I was watching the press conference, excuse me, with Sean live. And then the same thing, the press conference yesterday on Saturday with Brandon and with Sean, I saw a lot of people criticizing reporters because of the questions and the line of questions and the tone of the questions. And I got to say like, listen, I'm not just, these are, competitors in a way to a capacity, but like, I just think that the people asking the questions did a really good commendable job. And I was proud to be part of, you know, the bills beat from that standpoint on Friday, on Saturday, because this is serious. It's about so much more than football. There are so many layers to all of this. And I understand for some fans, they were like, oh my goodness, just move on. But you can't. This is the biggest story 
And you can see that as evidence all over the country, how many people are talking about it, how many people are posting about it on social media. So I just, you know, tip of the hat to the colleagues, to the competitors, to those people who are trying to find out what actually happened, what the team knew, what the team didn't know, what the timeline was, because I think that's all very relevant, important information. And my last thing I'll wrap up on this is when I got up this morning, here we are Sunday morning. Remember this all, um, he got released Saturday night. I woke up on Sunday morning and I struggled with, I need to at some point start tweeting about and talking about the bills needing a punter. Do I do it now? Do I do it later this afternoon? Do I do it tomorrow? Do I do the podcast tonight? Like, I didn't know. I took a chance. I did. I tweeted about it. I'm like, all right, well, the bills have some options here. What are they going to do? And I'm like, but, and I think most people, like, I, I think the general response was, I was waiting for responses of like, oh, come on. Like, are you really going to talk too about this now? Right. Too yeah. soon. Yeah. Too soon. But I didn't know. I didn't know how to treat it. I'm, I, I'm glad you, you have to. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because on Thursday, uh, one of our executive producers and I, we put together a story because we were talking to some people at StubHub and the bills have become the top trending team in the NFL and their ticket sales have gone up 523%. So we put together this story and it was really interesting. And we ended up on Thursday night, not being able to use it anywhere because it felt out of taste. You know what I mean? We were like, you can't talk about this. And And then the same thing Friday. Because everything on Friday was once again following up on everything that was going on. So we're like, we can't talk about this story about ticket sales. Like, there's such a bigger story going on. So it kind of just got pushed to the wayside. Same thing. I put together a 53-man roster projection that I just had saved as a draft. Yeah, and sure. then while I was watching the game on Friday evening, I'm you know making a couple little tweaks here and there. And then right when it got down to like the final minute, I kind of had this thought. I was like, can I even post this? Right. I was like... Like, is it weird to when Sean is having this incredibly emotional press conference post about Balin Specter and Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris? And I ultimately did because I figured it was still relevant. But the fact that I even had to think about it just, I think, speaks to the magnitude of, you know, everything else that was going on. So here we are on Sunday night and the Bills have moved on from Matariza and it is going to still be a story in some capacity for quite a while, obviously, at different levels, locally and nationally. But we have to move on to talk about football. We're going to do that. We'll talk about what the Bills can do, need to do, and what could happen as the team gets closer to the 53-man roster cutdown here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, Matt, before I say anything about the roster, how was the 95th birthday party? <laughs> well, uh, thank you for asking. It was Welcome. very excited. I was very excited because on the news on like Wednesday or Thursday night, the meteorologist, Autumn Lewandowski, was talking about how much great weather we were going to have over the weekend. And she was like, so hopefully you guys have a lot of fun plans for the weekend. And I said, yeah, it's my grandfather's 95th birthday on Saturday. But for a second, I thought it was a surprise. And that he didn't know. And then I thought I had ruined the surprise on live television. Live TV, baby. But the next morning, I texted my mom when I woke up. And I was like, is Grandpa's birthday a surprise? And she's like, oh, no, he knows about it. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. No, it was great. But that being said, and you know, not to kind of go back to what we were just talking about, but the entire day, sure. I was looking at my phone, waiting to see. in every Because people know what you do for a living. People know what I do for a living. Everybody's coming up to you. What's going on? Have they cut the punter? What's happening next? When are they going to cut the punter? What's happening? Have they talked yet? And then that night, when you guys were at the press conference, because I was off for the day, I went to the Lewiston Jazz Fest with my wife and you know my former colleague, Keith Radford. He's on the board there. So we just wanted to kind of like go walk around and enjoy the nice weather and the music for a little bit. And same thing there. That started at you know, that was all day, but we got there at like 6.30 and just walking down the road. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? When's it going to happen? And I'm like, well, I've got all my notifications for all my Bills friends. So when they when they tell me what's going on, I'll let you know. And it did finally happen. The Bills moved on from Matariza. So they now only have um, 79 players on the roster, but they have to get down yep. to 53 by Tuesday at 4 p.m. So let me just explain how this works for everyone. Obviously the bills have to get down to 53 men by 53 men roster by Tuesday at 4 PM. They do not have to have a punter by Tuesday at 4 PM. And in fact, Matt, I would say it would probably benefit them not to sign a punter before Tuesday at 4 PM. Wait to see how everything shakes out of the tree, basically and all around the league to see who becomes available after that. And what they can do then is actually use an extra roster spot by saving and waiting. If they want to put someone on IR after Tuesday, like Marquez Stevenson for four weeks. Therefore, you don't have to do it before cuts. You can carry him through the roster period, and then you can put him on just like they did last year. So I think strategically here, they should actually probably do that, even though they need a punter. I would say wait until after Tuesday at 4 p.m. to actually sign one or trade for one. Can I really quick interject with something that isn't about the roster? I don't know yes. if you can see me smirking right now. Yes. So the NFL Top 100 is going on right now. And Josh has just his he's been, you know, announced. What number oh. do you think he is? Oh my I am not watching it. What would be a number uh, that would be like incredibly painful for Bill's fans? It there I know he's in the top twenty. He uh -huh. better not be anything higher than like even ten, but maybe like twelve or thirteen. I'm gonna say I expect it to be between six and eight. Okay. He's higher. He's number 13 but wow. all of the responses are 13 seconds 13 oh no <laughs> so i'm watching oh, this and i'm like no. i'm like oh my goodness i was like live reaction on this recorded yeah, podcast like, from matt bove watching the nfl's top one i was like in this i was like i know that Oh, every response, 13 seconds. Oh my God. How savage of a response. It's just insane. But okay, I'm sorry. We'll go back to the I just wanted to bring that up. This, We're literally this, it's this happening in real you time. Deeply, apparently, this affected you that this is happening in real time deeply enough that you just if he was 12, if he was 14, <laughs> nobody's everybody's like, yeah, you should probably be a little higher, but 13, come on. Whatever. Wow.
All right. So, did, you, did you hear what I said about the punter and what to do? N- no, I did. And I think that all of those roster gymnastics always kind of happen. Yeah. And it's funny because after you post like a 53 man roster projection and you start to read more of them, you're like, okay, well maybe this veteran gets cut and then they sign this guy back the next day, or this guy's a vested veteran, this guy, they don't have to worry about doing that stuff. So I think they've got some options, but I also think they've got some really difficult decisions that they're going to have to make. So this is a good debate. I actually had this debate in the media room the other day with our buddy, Matt Perino. When I do a 53 man roster projection, like I base, if I'm right or wrong on who's on the first game day roster, not necessarily who's on the roster at 4.01 PM Tuesday, because they're going to move guys around. If I say Taiwan Jones is on the roster and then they release him just for that 24 hour period to get him back because they want to get somebody onto IR. Well, he's on the roster. Mm-hmm. He yeah, made the 53, right? I mean, even though he technically didn't. So, yes, I agree with that. But, Matt, just go back to what I said a little while ago. The Bills, to me here, have an opportunity to keep one extra player because they don't need to actually have a punter by Tuesday at 4 p.m. And by Tuesday at 4 p.m., other teams are going to be releasing somebody. But that could give them an opportunity to keep somebody for one extra for that, that time period and then put them on IR, like a Stevenson or whoever. And then when it happens, are we looking at Tennessee? Are we looking at Brett Kern? Yeah. Yeah. From Grand um, Island who could who could be out of a job or who's the kid that's fighting for a job with him? I have to look, but Stonehouse. 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 There you go. Yep. I think one of those guys could wind up being available. You want to hear a funny Brett Kern story? I do. All he right, went to Grand so, Island, right? He's from Grand Island. Yeah, he's from Grand Island. So my wife is from Grand Island and Ooh. a lot of her friends obviously from Grand Island. So a couple years ago, it was 2018. We were at a wedding. Her friend got married at Disney World in Florida. And the rehearsal dinner was on a Sunday afternoon. They got married on like Columbus Day. I think that's like a Monday or something. So we're sitting there and the Bills had played the Titans on Sunday. And, you know, I was watching the game on my phone. I was watching the game from Disney World. It's like the only home game I've missed since like 2014. The Bills win last second. I go to the rehearsal dinner that night with all of my wife's friends from Grand Island. And there's this guy there. And I'm like, hey, were you guys watching the game? We were talking about the game a little bit. And he was like, yeah, I was pretty disappointed, you know, but all things considered, it's a great day still. And I was like, why were you disappointed? Like, you're not a Bills fan? You're from Grand Island. And he was like, oh, no, I'm a Titans fan because my son is the punter. <laughs> I was like, Amazing. oh, I was like, oh, I could uh, understand why you're a Titans fan. So, no, his dad is still, I mean, his family is still local. I've met him a couple times. Really nice man, but it's just like so funny because I was, you know, that's like the typical small town thing. It's like, oh, yeah, no. Were you guys happy that the Bills won today? No, I'm a Titans fan. Oh, because my son's the punter on the team. So when I first started thinking about potential replacements and I was reading about the competition happening in Tennessee, I was like, oh, wouldn't that be funny if that ultimately ends up happening? And I think it could very well be possible. We'll see. So that people understand, I actually put a long Twitter thread about this just to kind of give people a little education on how the roster works. Anybody who gets released who hasn't been in the league four years yet is subject to waivers. Any other team can claim that person. But if you've been in the league four plus years, you get released, you're an automatic free agent. You can sign with any team you want. And if you do get claimed, then if the Bills claim somebody that wasn't in the league four years that was released, um, they have to put them on their 53-man roster. So there are some things you have to consider there, obviously. But if a guy like Kern got released, automatically the Bills could sign him. 
if he chose to go there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else out there. Marquette King has been basically pining for a job on Twitter. I know that. Yes, he has. Uh, there's a couple other guys like the dude from Carolina, Polardi, is I believe. Polardi, yep. And then there's Dustin Colquitt, too. So, like, he's potentially an option. Um, there were. They there's did. also... There's also a battle in Cincinnati. They're a veteran there. It's like Huber, and I think they've got some young punter, and that's like a battle, too, happening. So maybe whoever loses that battle ultimately could be one of the guys that they pick. Um, One of the Bills, uh, somebody who the Bills reportedly have hosted, is former Chargers punter Ty Long, who actually has been fairly successful in the league, also kicked in the um, CFL. And our guy, my guy, got to know him a little bit, uh, Damon Talbot, if, Ryan Talbot's brother, I believe it's Damon Talbot, uh, Damon Talbot's draft diamonds on Twitter. He's actually real plugged into some scouts and, uh, agents and people like that. And he's the one that first reported that. So I just want to give him that, uh, Ty Long, he says was in town for a visit. So there are options out there, Matt. Are you worried? Would you be worried for the bills about bringing in someone so late if they don't sign somebody until six days, eight days, I guess, before um, their first game? No, it's a punter. Yeah. Catch the ball, punt the ball. What about I don't holding? care what else you do. <laughs> I think that they'll be able to figure it out. Oh my gosh. Oh, it all comes full circle. We've talked so much uh-huh. about holding. Somebody, somebody will be able to figure it out. <laughs> um, I no, I'm not concerned. And honestly, it's like they're not gonna punt that much. They're they're just they're really good. Their offense is great. They're not gonna punt that much. And when just they do, punt. they're gonna be like near midfield, right? They're not gonna be from their own 10 or 15 a lot. Just go find somebody at this point. Just go find somebody. I just want to start talking about all the other stuff, not the punter. I know. I know what you mean. All right, let's do that. Let's talk about the other yeah. stuff. Have you, um, did Friday get you to change your mind about anything on your 53? Yes. A couple Ooh, of things, actually. I love it. What do you got? What do you got? So I actually switched my original 53 from having six wide receivers to seven because I really couldn't decide between Hodgins and Kumaro. So I have them both on my final 53. I think Hodgins has done enough to earn a job. And I think they still really like Kumaro. So I made a flip flop there and I actually ended up cutting Balen Spector on my roster just because a couple missed plays in the final game. I think there's a better chance they could get him to the practice squad than they could get Hodgins to the practice squad. So that was kind of like my last little like juggling. And I also made a flip with tight end. I originally was going to have them keep Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, or excuse me. No, I was going to originally have them keep Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris. I was going to have those three make it and not OJ Howard, but I didn't feel like either Morris or Sweeney did enough to make Howard kind of pushed off to the side, given the dead Mm -hmm. cap and everything. Mm -hmm. So on the final roster that I posted, I had them keeping Knox, Howard and Morris and not Sweeney. Same thing. I think they can get Sweeney to the practice squad. I don't know what would happen with Morris, but I've been a little bit more impressed with Morris this summer as a whole than I have with Sweeney. Did you originally have Trey White on pup like I did? I forgot. I don't think you did. So not on the first one, but then after we had the conversation, I put Trey on the pup. So that actually ended up freeing up one more roster spot. Yes. And I used that for... Oh, I used it basically for the extra wide receiver. And then um, what did I do? And I ended up still punter? keeping. 
I, I left just a punter on the 53-man roster, but I didn't put a name to it. I just put, yeah. like, to-be-determined punter. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I think they, I mean... Yeah, uh, see, this was post. See, this was posted Friday before they had made their dis- ultimately had made their decision. I think what they'll do is they'll do the roster yes. gymnastics you're talking right. about, yes. and then I think they'll sign their punter on yeah. Tuesday evening. And I uh, like I'm imagining it's probably going to be Marquez Stevenson. I think they'll probably keep yep. him and Agreed. then just put him on IR. Agreed. All right. Yeah. So I don't want to go against what I just said a little while ago. Uh, when I do a 53 it really is based on who's going to be on the first game day roster and they will have a punter on the 53 on the game day roster. But I think that's frees up them a lot of the ability to do that with Marquez Stevenson, Uh, man. The tight end thing is so tough for me. It really is. It is so tough for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had Knox Howard and Sweeney. I might just go Knox and Howard more than I think about it, which is kind of like, you know, we've had this debate before. I think because Reggie Gilliam can do so much for them. Do they really Mm -hmm. need to keep three? The other guy I'm a little worried for right now, to be honest with you, because I really like him. I say it that way. Cam Lewis. Yep. I, I I like Cam Lewis. He's a really good football player. I think they like Cam Lewis. I just don't know if the number's there. And it might he might have to lose out to Nick McLeod. Um, it, it might just be a numbers game overall. But, boy, if they do release Cam Lewis, I just don't think he sticks. I think he's gone. He's probably gone to the Giants. But yep. I'm a little concerned for him at this point. I don't know. I think he's like right there. I think they do Cape Bale Inspector. I, I think there's been enough there. They like him a lot. Um, he's a guy I think that they he was drafted. If they release him, another team probably had a draftable grade on him. But I think he's done enough. So I'm going to keep him. But I think Cam Lewis might be in trouble. And I think the thing that's so concerning, especially as the pipeline for the Bills continues to get deeper and deeper, is that like any of these guys that get cut, yeah. the first place I imagine they go is to New York, especially with the tight ends. Yeah, like if Tommy Sweeney doesn't make the fifty-three man roster, I'd anticipate that that dude's on the Giants by like four oh five, basically. Same thing with Quentin Morris, even or Cam Lewis, or any of those guys that Shane and Dable have experience with in the past. Yeah, that's true. And remember, though, they would have to they would have to guarantee their spot for three weeks. A fifty, yes, fifty, and and release somebody, which they might because their roster isn't all that great. Let's be honest. Uh, Two players just want to touch on before we get out of here. Is there any way you see Raheem Blackshear making it? This is the one guy <laughs> that I think I've heard the most about when we did our 53 and people are upset. Not that we don't have him making it, but a lot of people think he should, but also saying, okay, well, they're obviously going to lose him if he doesn't make it, I, which I don't agree with. A lot, a lot of people thought Christian Wade should be on the 53-man yeah, roster, too. Right. Um yeah. No, I don't see a scenario where he makes it. I also think because it's still a preseason running back who's going against depth players that they should be able to get him to their practice squad. Like I I would be very surprised if another team Agreed. was like, "Oh, we're taking that guy and we're putting him on our 53 right away." So that's why I'm, you know, I think that they'll probably be able to make it happen. I don't see a scenario where he gets a spot on the 53, but uh, no, I don't even want to say crazier things have ha- I just don't see that happening. Because th- they're not keeping five running backs. They're just not. And they're not taking Blackshear over Moss. Definitely not over James Cook or Singletary. They're just not. And they're not taking him over Taiwan Jones. I'm sorry to everybody that believes they should. I mean, no, the, way it, I mean the way it basically works is Matthew Smiley gets like four core special teams players that they're going to basically keep and say, these are your guys. And he's going to. If you think Taiwan Jones isn't one of those guys, I don't know what you've been paying attention to for the last several years. Like it's Taiwan, it's Saran Neal, it's probably Jay Kumaro. Um, oh, it's Medikevich, it's probably Jay Kumaro. Maybe it could be Hodgins, I guess, but it's definitely Jones, 
Neil and Medikevich, who all three didn't even really play this preseason because they are considered starters. They literally are considered starters because they're so ingrained at what they do. And then the finally guy, the final guy I want to ask you about. So they they did trade Cody Ford. I've been singing the praises of Bobby Hart. I don't mm-hmm. think he had a great game on Friday. I, this is close for me. I mean, Van Roten also didn't play. Does that mean anything? That was. I, I think some people think it does. Thinks it does, and I. I don't. I'm on the fence. Okay, here's what I think happened. I think that because they didn't play Mitch Morse, Greg Mans, or Ryan Bates, Jacob Capra started at center. And they really didn't have anybody else behind him in case something were to happen to him. So I think they kept Greg Van Roten on the sidelines just in case they did not want one of their quarterbacks having to take snaps in a real like live game action situation with somebody who's never been a center before. So I think they literally just kept him on the sidelines, just break glass in case of emergency. I don't think it meant because they're holding him out. It just wouldn't make sense for a guy like that. And I think people should probably be a little bit at ease about Tommy Doyle based off of Brandon's comments from, I believe, Wednesday before everything happened with the other situation. He said that Tommy Doyle looks like he's trending in the right direction only a couple weeks. And then Mance was what they think like day to day, basically. Uh, I think so. I think that was it. I'm not positive. You're right. The other thing thing about Van Roten is he's been in the league like 10 years, dude. I don't know many guys. It might have just simply been, the guy's been in the league so long, I'm not playing him in the third preseason game. He's earned that. I don't know. When they signed him from the Jets, a lot of it was like one of those things. We probably even talked about it on the podcast. It was one of those sneaky, smart moves because you're not bringing him in to be a starter. You're bringing him in to be a depth player who happens to have a lot of starting experience. So I could see a a scenario where he makes it, but I still don't think he does. What about Bobby Hart? I think he makes it. I I do. I still have him. I still have him because I think I know a lot of people see him just getting like toasted when he's at tackle, but I think in a perfect world, he kind of replaces Cody Ford as one of your, excuse me, depth guard players. I I agree with that. I I pretty sure I I agree with it because I I still have him making it. And I do want to point out the last two years, Matt, the bills kept nine offensive linemen. That's what we have them both. Yep. Both of us have nine guys making it. Bobby Hart will be the ninth. So the last two years, that's the number they kept, at least what they rolled into their opening game with. Like I said, the roster gymnastics, as we like to say, may have played out differently over the um, over the course of the cutdown date. All right, so Tuesday at 4 p.m. is the cutdown date. All right, everybody. So we are back for one more segment here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio. As we often do, we asked for your questions as we were getting ready to record this podcast. And I think we had more Sal for this episode than we have ever had before. Yeah. I think that maybe is a testament to maybe some new people listening or people just really wanted to ask you, Sal, questions. (laughs) They don't care what I say. They care what you say. Oh, I think they care about both of us, what we have. Um I know you got a couple that you had one about a pumpkin though. You also had that. (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I want to look at, I had one here. Mm, Okay. This is a good one. This is from Kyle because we haven't talked about this. Guys, does Questenberry have a step up on Spencer Brown? I think there's a good question because Spencer Brown has not, been the starter. It's been Questenberry. My answer to this is no, Kyle. I don't think Questenberry has a step up. To me, Spencer Brown is the starting right tackle. The Bills have simply just been ramping him up to this point. However, that doesn't guarantee that he remains the right tackle if he doesn't perform. I think he lines up at right tackle week one at the Rams. 
I think what it means is that Spencer Brown has a shorter leash than we thought he had, but I still think he is going to be the starting right tackle. I think if there are struggles and there's continued struggles from Spencer Brown, then we could see Questenberry out on the field. I think he's a really good backup, flexible, versatile offensive lineman to have. I don't think that he's going to start, but if there are struggles, I don't think they would wait too long to get him out there. I agree with that. I, I think they'd really like Questenberry to be that swing guy. You know, just, hey, we got, they, that was the, that, as I've been saying for uh, over a month, the new Ryan Bates, so to speak. All right, you got one? Did you find a good one? No, you ask another one and then I'll sift right, through. All right, I got one. Pumpkin here. one. This is really good. All right. Okay. Andrew, this is a fun one. Andrew asks, who is the current overall best athlete or other sports stud on the Bills? Used to enjoy hearing Kyle Williams stories about golf or when he and Beast mm-hmm. Mode had a swimming race. Yes, Kyle Williams used to be that guy. So I think this is cool because during while the Ariza situation was playing out, Matt Barkley punted, mm-hmm. Case Keenum held before before practice. They had like Micah Hyde holding. Um, people thought, okay, oh, Tyler Bass do it. Remember at camp one day we saw different people kicking and holding. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know this, but based on my observations and knowing their histories. I mean, folks, Jordan Poyer was drafted in Major League Baseball. Yeah. He was drafted. I would say him and Micah Hyde, the two safeties to me, might be the best overall athletes on the team because Micah was also a very high-level basketball player, uh, baseball player. I think it's probably... I think the four people that I immediately thought of were Micah, Jordan, Diggs, and Josh. Oh, Josh was a very good baseball player, a pitcher, right? He could have... Josh was, on. I, th- I think he's good at everything. Josh is just one of the, you know how like in your friend group, you've got those friends who are just yes. kind of like good at everything. Yes. He's good at everything, but to a whole nother level, I think because like you think about Poyer though, Poyer got drafted major league baseball. He has been an all pro safety in the NFL. He just starts golfing because he wants to find something to take him away from, you know, literally drinking alcohol. He opened up about how the game of golf saved his life. And now he's a single digit handicapped golfer, which is incredibly tough to do after playing the game for only a couple of years. There's some really freakishly talented athletes on the bills roster. Also Von Miller. Von Miller didn't didn't like Peyton oh, say yeah. he's the best athlete he's ever seen or something. Best One athlete of them he ever played with. He said he's the best athlete ever played with. Now, does that mean he could play another sport at an incredibly high level? I'm sure it does, but I know that Jordan Boyer, like that's proven. He was drafted into Major League Baseball, right? So like we we know that for sure. But that I mean, I look at guys, I'm like, you gonna tell me Greg Russo wouldn't be like really good at like basketball or something? Like he's tall and he's <laughs> He's yeah. rangy and um, he's a super good, like freak athlete off the line. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at guys like that and think you'd probably, you'd probably be pretty good at something. Um, I, some of these guys are way better athletes than people think in other sports. Um, maybe I guess some of them were just only football players, but I think Saran Neal would be a good boxer. Just, he looks like he'd be a good boxer. Doesn't he? Like Saran well, Neal looks like he could just go toe to toe with somebody. He's very feisty. Like <laughs> that guy could, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that guy mad at me. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. What do you got? I mean, I'm going through and it's a lot of questions about the roster and I'll specifically just, so are there any players that you think are like absolute definite locks to be on the practice squad? Cause a couple of people have asked about practice squad and what players they think will ultimately get there. So practice squad rules for everybody to know 
16 players compromise the practice squad. They can't start doing the practice squad officially until players clear waivers and everything's done um, Wednesday at noon is when that's announced. They're allowed 16 players. Six of them um, can be veterans of any experience. Like literally Lorenzo Alexander could sign to the practice squad if they wanted to, right? He he played Kyle Williams. These guys played a long time. Uh, The other 10... Um, can be compromised of players who have no more than two years accrued experience. And then there's actually a few layers of how many years and all that, but six of them can actually be veterans of anything. So you have to keep that in mind. I, I think um, guys like Raheem Blackshear, to me, mm-hmm. locked to make the practice squad because I don't have him making it uh, here. Um, who else? Matt Elite. Barkley. No. Oh, that's the number one lock. That's Thank the number, number that's one. The number, that's yeah. the number one lock. He's not going anywhere. Right. He's not making the team. Ilianku, I think, unless there's like, he had another injury. I mean, unless something happens with mm-hmm. that, I think like he's a guy that, hey, we'd like to have some, another big defensive lineman there. Um, oh, mm-hmm. I'll give you one. I think an absolute lock would be Luke Tenuta. I mean, I guess somebody could scoop him up, but. Oh, Tanner Gentry. He's a lock. Yeah. He's Tanner Gentry. Josh's, practice Josh's, Josh's buddy. And he had a, yeah. he, had a he always has good OTAs and mini camps, you know, I yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil Pau, Neil Pau, unless somebody, yeah. I mean, he, he looked yeah. good on Friday, right? Yeah, no, he's looked good all summer, really, yeah. but it's a numbers game. Like he's not going to make the 53 man roster, right. but good for him. I was just reading up a little bit more on his story, like a really interesting background. Good for him that he kind of pushed football to the side for so long, came back into it and is capable and talented enough to go through an NFL summer and preseason. Josh Thomas, usually a pretty good lock unless he decides he can get a better opportunity elsewhere. I mean, by the way, players can go to other practice squads if they clear waivers. I mean, they don't have to stay on the Bills practice squad. They get an offer somewhere. They might think there's a better path to that team's 53, and they want a fresh start, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right, before you, before you get to your pumpkin story, yep. um, this comes from me. It's my question to you. Who starts at corner on opening night against the Rams? I have a different answer than I thought I was going to have. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's not true. I think I kind of always I, – I think a week ago I would have said it would have been a combination – of Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford alongside Dane Jackson. Now I think it'll still be a combination, but it'll be more Kyrie Elam than Christian Benford. Like Jackson, I would have said, you have, oh. you have Jackson starting. Yes, and Elam. And I agree with you. I I I think Matt that El- that Benford would almost have to take the job from Elam. It's not it's not his job, but I think you how you have to outperform the first round pick, and I think they they're so even that you don't get that then. I think a lot of what had to do with the summer is because of the expectations attached to Elam, people maybe were a little bit too hard on him. And because of the expectations with Benford, people praised him a little bit too much because when you have different levels of expectations, when this guy is at the same level as this guy, you're like, Oh my gosh, like that guy's coming out of nowhere. Like maybe we found a hidden gem and maybe they did. But to me, it feels like they found a really good depth corner who's young who can now have a rookie contract and can provide great depth for you for years to come but i think unless it's really bad and i don't think it will i think it's dane jackson and kyrie elam until trey is ready to go then i think they have an interesting conversation then does dane jackson start over your first round pick well i guess it depends on how he's playing is he doing well then yeah he probably stays out on the field is he struggling then you probably keep Dane, but then you're talking about basically a, a rookie first round pick getting benched, which is a little bit concerning. All right. So let's get to the pumpkin, the tweet, the oh. picture. What's going on here? 
No. So this morning I went to the grocery store, had yeah. to pick up a couple things, and there were pumpkin pumpkins outside. And I just posted a picture and said August 28th. And a lot of people have opinions on fall. I don't think it's too early for pumpkins. Do you? We're at August 28th when we, when we record this. Um, and, and when I say I don't think it's too early for pumpkins, I would not go to the store and buy pumpkins to put on my porch. That's yet. the difference. That's right. I but, agree with you. But I'm not like far off from doing that. I'm like maybe a couple weeks. Um, I agree with you. I don't think, I do not think it's too early for pumpkins to be put out for people to start kind of looking at them and thinking about it. But I'm not doing it myself. Uh, just would make me, I don't want summer to end necessarily. I know it is. We have football season. That's kind of what it is, Matt. When football season starts, I'm, I'm okay with starting to think about Halloween and, you know, pumpkins and fall. I mean, that's what, that's what it is football season, right? Yes. What's your favorite fall activity? I mean, football, right? Can I go with, do I have to go with something else? Let's see. Favorite fall activity. Uh, I don't know if I have a fall activity other than kind of watching football. Football. I mean, baseball playoffs, watching that, but that's not an activity. I know what you're asking me. I don't have one. Do you have one? You might, I have to, might as go, might as golf. Golf in the fall is unbelievable. I like golfing in the fall. So much. Now, of course, the summer is nice. And the one argument that people have about golf in the fall is that once all the leaves start to yes. fall, it's a little bit trickier to find your ball. Mm-hmm. Hit the fairway and then you don't have to worry about that, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I like the I like how comfortable it is. I like that I can wear like a quarter zip with shorts still and be comfortable. Also, like a bonfire in the fall is I got perfect. Mine. You're right. Okay, I got mine. My favorite activity in the fall is sitting outside on my front porch because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. Um, I mean, at night when, when it starts, when the sun goes down and now on my back patio, we actually redid it. We had a deck and we have a back patio now and I have an electric fireplace out there, which is really cool. We can kind of fire that. Is it up. one of those smokeless ones? That's like a big yes. thing now. Smokeless yes. fire pits. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those are cool. It's great. And um, so yeah, it's electric. It's not even real. It's got these, these electric embers in it, I guess you have what you want to say, yeah. but um, that would be my favorite activity. So yeah, you can. I like, I like shorts and a hoodie for sure, and that's oh, it's the best. Ball, that's, ball weather, right? That's the best. The one thing that you know, like, there's only so many great fall weekends, and with yeah. the job, you don't get them that often because you're out and about, and you know, like, not a complaint at all. But it's just funny because before you know it, it's going to be like week five, and after that Steelers game, you're going to be like, where did the fall go? And we're going to be six weeks into the NFL season, but we're all, we're totally okay with pumpkins this time of year. Yeah. (laughs) And somebody was like, you don't get how like farming works. And I was like, I get that. They don't just pop up. Like, I understand you have to grow them. So he's like, you've never harvested anything. And it's like, no, I haven't, but I am from Wheatfield. So like, I know people who have, so like, I, I get, you don't just like clap your hands and all of a sudden there's pumpkins everywhere. People are like, Oh, he doesn't understand that you're going to grow these. Yeah. I get that. I'm just saying it's still a little early. I do like fall golf. I don't mind it. Cause I like golf, but Matt, the hotter, the better for me in golf. I'm sorry. The hotter, the better. I love it. I no, no. Like, super hot. I like, no, like we're both playing in charity, different charity golf tournaments this week. Yes. And it's, it's going to be 90. That's too hot. I'm okay with it. I lived in no Florida. Way. Yeah. I was yeah. Well, I, 
I did. I lived in Wheatfield. (laughs) That's a debate for another time. For Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. Thanks for tuning in once once again to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Um, You can find Matt on Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo, me on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, Matt. Well, um, let's here's here's to hoping that uh, we both made the final rosters at our places of work. Yes, let's hope so. That let's hope our <laughs> let's hope when we get to the uh, stadium this week, our fobs let us into the building uh, for sure. No doubt about that. We will be back with another episode before the Bills take on the Rams, and of course, that is Thursday night, September eighth, opening week. It is right around the corner.